Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world. I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond that military and veteran entrepreneurs have. We'll hear their story, the story of their business, and lessons learned. Joy can override the worries and depression. Here are your hosts, Cynthia Kale and Josh Carter. Welcome, everybody, to the F- Veteran Founder Podcast right here on the Startup Radio Network. It is Friday. It's 1 p.m. on the West Coast, uh, which means we get to talk to another amazing founder. If you are new to the program, welcome. We're really excited you're here. Every week, we get to talk to these great founders that are in the veteran founder community, and this week is no exception. He may not be a founder, uh, or veteran, I should say, but he's definitely a founder, and he's definitely working in the space. Patrick Nedesheim, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. And uh, founder, uh, I didn't even know somebody had lost her. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. A sense of humor. This is going to be fun. Hey, so, you know, this is the first time, Patrick, I'll be honest. This is the first time we've done a show where we haven't interviewed a veteran. But I am. I, I was the one that found your organization and really wanted to talk to you because it's kind of an amazing mission and it's unique. It's, it's Guitars for Vets. I've not seen a veteran yes. organization like this before. So I want to dig into it a little bit, but I want to understand a little bit more about your background and how you got into being a founder. Right on, man. Uh, There's a lot of great organizations out there that will gift guitars and other instruments to veterans, but which I will get into a little later, we teach them how to play the instrument as well. So I got into this early on. I started teaching guitar in my teens and, um, at that time, wanting to grow up and be a rock star, which I guess I'm still in that phase. Uh, music has been the common thread through yeah. my life. You know, any of your listeners out there who've tried to, uh, quote unquote, make it as an artist know how difficult that is, whether it's music or if they're writers, uh, maybe, you know, writing screenplays or novels, painting, whatever that might be. It's kind of a feast or famine sort of business there are a few people that uh, usually instructors are the ones that are able to stay afloat uh on, on either or in between those two parameters and um and then probably you know 40 or 50 other jobs along with that to, to pay the bills and in 2006 a marine came in to see me for guitar lessons his name dan van buskirk Dan is a Marine from the Vietnam era. He served in 1968 and 69 in 1st Marine Recon in Da Nang. Mm. Um, and so he saw some believe, serious shit. Yes, yes. I mean, it was apocalypse <laughs> now. Wow. Uh, you know, he, he said, hey, you want to be the eyes and ears of the Marines? He said, oh, absolutely. That sounds <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's and, no joke. Uh, he was he ever i'll tell you what man and and i think this will be interesting to your listeners being a civilian my closest uh encounter to combat other than when my wife and i lived in the hood and i had to duck when there were gang you know battles outside none of those bullets were intended for me mm-hmm. they just didn't know how to shoot so right. we had to <laughs> lay low but you know i got a taste of it through that at least what it feels like when bullets are flying through the air. 
So, uh, but yeah, we watched one film on Vietnam and I had to have my dad sign off on a permission slip because they showed, God forbid, uh, a topless woman in the video, you know, in the film, that famous shot of the uh, South Vietnamese general being executed with a bullet through the head or the little girl running out of the napalm attack. Right. It was because of nudity. And that's uh, that was just ridiculous. But um, at any rate, that was it. That was our full exposure. And we didn't learn about World War Two, you know, Korea, oh. everything I learned. Korea was mash. That's how I learned about Korean. Yeah, wars. yeah, yeah. Wow. World War One. It wasn't until the band Franz Ferdinand came out that I realized <laughs> what started World War One. Oh, okay. Yeah, the assassination of Franz Ferdinand. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so, what was your what was your background though uh, in music? Like, did you were you always in? Did you come from a musical background, a musical family? Well, you know, uh, my mother's side of the family was very musical until they're passing. My grandfather and grandmother uh, both played together in a band. Uh, my grandfather was in the Seabees in World War II. Oh, wow. Okay. And, um, and I'll be happy to send you this photo, Josh. It's pretty neat, him posing with his band with his saxophone. Yeah. And uh, my grandmother played piano and then later changed to accordion. <laughs> Nice. And so in their senior years, they were in a band called the the Merry Old Timers <laughs> and uh, were quite were, were quite the the entertainment uh, group in the uh, senior living scene, you know, yeah. nice. big deal. Yeah, yeah. My, my dad's side, all mechanics. Uh, they're all vets on that side of the family. So, um, you know, growing up, it was watching old World War II films, 12 o'clock high, you know, all these old reruns, Rat Patrol. Yeah. You know, some of your listeners might uh, remember that type of stuff, the John Wayne. And where did you grow films. up? Um, I grew up uh, the, the home of Les Paul, Waukesha, Wisconsin. Okay. Nice. Nice. And then, so then that experience, when you decided to kind of go out on your own, did you, you know, join a band or what was that sort of journey for you? Yeah, the journey began really early when I found my dad's acoustic guitar when I was about five or six years old and yeah. didn't know what I was doing. But my brother had, had bought an old Beatles album, you know, and you probably hear this a lot. I mean, it's, it, it's amazing. I see young people today that are still influenced by that band. Yeah. Uh, just incredible melodies and, and brilliant songwriting. And I heard the early Beatles uh, that was the name of the greatest hits album and uh, decided this is what I want to do. This yeah. is, this, the switch went on. I want to do this. So I was playing out in my first band when I was 13 years old. So here, here I am in eighth grade. And I even remember we opened with uh, a Van Halen song. Now, mind you, I could not play like Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. yeah. But uh, not many I knew could. some of the chords. Yeah. And, uh, we uh, it was running with the devil was the name of the song uh if anybody was wondering yeah so i was writing music when i say writing songs josh it wasn't that i was you know i had it was laying down the treble clef and the staff lines i was just creating and remembering mm -hmm. yeah you know and recording but we were playing original music that early and i've probably since then been in well over 50 different groups uh as a guitar player, but also as a bass player 
and with bass guitar, I've played in jazz bands as a pianist. I've played in jazz uh, as a guitar player, uh, hard rock. <laughs> Back in the day, we called it new wave <laughs> in yeah. the 80s. Uh, in the 90s, I played in a grunge band. I've played uh, and written uh, country music, and I've written film scores. Um, oh, wow. I guess the, the only one that maybe your listeners would have heard of there was a film made in, in 2000 called American Movie. Okay. And the subject of American Movie was about the uh, the making of a short horror film called Coven. Okay, the word's coven, but this producer from Milwaukee, because of our strange accent here, <laughs> decided to call it Coven. Nice. And it's funny. So yeah. American Movie, and I did the soundtrack for Coven. Oh, wow. It's, it's worth, worth a watch. Yeah. Check that out. Definitely. So, you know, as you're going through this journey, people are coming to you saying, I want to learn. How did you get into that? How did you get into wanting to teach others how to take up the guitar and learn how to play the guitar? I would have to say initially, given that um, in the 80s, when I was 15, 16 years old, minimum wage was like three and a quarter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I figured, well, hey, I could probably make $5 <laughs> back when we could get a handful of candy for a nickel. <laughs> right. My first my first minimum wage job, wage job was four and a quarter. So yeah, a little more than yours. But dude, it's crazy. You just not to go too far askew, but look at the minimum wage for waiters and waitresses in most states. Mm -hmm. It's still like two and a half bucks or something it's ridiculous it's ridiculous. you know i mean yeah. i'm all about small business man i'm yeah. all about it but we got it we got to help we got to give our brothers and sisters throw them a bone man yeah <laughs> that's that's true so, um but at any rate uh i one of the other things i i thought i wanted to do in life was become a physician a mm. doctor and i came from a very middle class, lower middle class, blue collar family yeah. where nobody had gone to college. And during that period, and I guess I think this is important because it kind of forms what I've become today. Uh, when I was in high school, you might remember, I think you still take SATs mm -hmm. tests or the yep. college prep test. I still do, yep. And I was a science geek because I loved old Star Trek reruns and that just turned me on to science so much and uh i i had studied the periodic table you know i was hopefully it wasn't as geeky as little sheldon or something but uh, <laughs> i was into that and so i ended up acing the science portion of the acts but because of the my social economic class and my parents were divorced and i just grew up with my dad uh, when i went in to see that was the only time i saw my guidance counselor in high school was to go over my ACTs. Hmm. And of course, when I skipped out for senior skip. <laughs> right. And uh, he told me there must be some sort of mistake mm -hmm. you know, on, on the grading because I shouldn't have scored that high. Oh, wow. Uh, they wanted me to work either in the foundry or in the print graphics shop. Again, tracking. Hopefully that isn't going on as much in the States. But I decided I went to college anyway. I took a bunch of biology courses because music courses in college for me absolutely sucked. 
all they do is teach you rules. Right. You got to play, you, you, you know, you can't play a major seventh chord if you're doing 18th century music. <laughs> I mean, who cares? It's art. Right. Yeah. So, when um, they, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, anyway, um, I just didn't fit in with, yeah. with everybody in, in, that was going the pre-med rate, and I was going broke real fast. So, I followed the pauper's path of music, and... Um, what that has done, tying this all together, it created the, the the perfect formula for me because teaching allows me to do music, but it allows me to bring joy to folks by the you know the catalyst, the to positive human interaction that the instrument is in, and with that healing. So, without having to maintain a physician's yeah, yeah. Black on the wall and all the liability and the mess. I just get to be with people and help them find joy in life. And that enriches me, man. What do you think is the hardest thing for people to get? Because I've tried to play the guitar in the past. I'm not musically inclined. I, I was in jazz band as well in high school, but I played the drums. and uh, But didn't really study music theory in, in, in its sort of entirety. What What's the hardest thing for people to pick up when they first pick up a, a guitar well uh the wife and i just watched the uh other night uh the movie uh, walk the line yeah again the johnny cash story joaquin phoenix and his first hit song was called get rhythm and it's rhythm that yeah. is the most difficult piece to teach so what i would do and what i recommend is get a a drumming manual method one snare drum hmm. and learn to follow the rhythm it doesn't matter if you're just cranking on an open e and going all metallic on it or whatever you've got to learn rhythm don't get a metronome that's a that's a quick path to insanity there's there's backing drum tracks i don't have anything to refer your listeners to here but you can find them online where you can actually play to a band where there's no solo in it, no mm. singing. You want to play with a drummer. You need to find a drummer that can just lay down a groove or recording of drums and play with that. Everybody can can be a, a tactician if they got use of all of their fingers or even some of their fingers. Yeah. Um, you know, because I'm thinking of like real old school Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath, who's missing tips of his fingers, uh, and Les Paul and his his very senior years had only the use of, you know, the peace sign his two his two fingers because of oh, arthritis. Interesting. I didn't know that. Um, so but anybody can learn to push down a note. A chicken can play a piano, a cat can, we've seen it. <laughs> but they don't have rhythm. Yeah. So get rhythm. Get rhythm. Got it. So let's talk a little bit about how you met Dan. Like, how did you you mentioned he came to you one time and said he wanted to get some lessons, but how did that conversation go from I need lessons to boy, all these veterans that are coming home with PTSD would really benefit from learning this as well? I'm really glad you're asking these questions, Josh, because and I love your format. There's usually not a time to get into the meat of this stuff. But so I'm gonna take you back to two thousand six. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Fall of two thousand six. All right. So it was a dark and Stormy night. Well, it's Milwaukee, <laughs> so it's probably true. In Milwaukee, having a beer <laughs> and a sausage. Nice. A brat. <laughs> Watching the Packers play the Bears. Yeah, with some poutine. And, 
<laughs> so um, I had been so I've been teaching guitar since I was 16. And so it had been a, a, a while. And I was like, you know, I really want to start concentrating on my career as a songwriter. I was doing another, you know, very indie film soundtrack. I have always dabbled in piano. I wanted to play in this this jazz combo and you know, starting to finally got the courage to start doing some solo stuff and uh, do some singing solo. And by the way, as an aside, next to rhythm, I believe for the average person, there's some really gifted people, but singing is what's most difficult. Yeah. The, the voice is, is its own instrument. And we're all going to stink right away unless you're gifted. Some people get it right off, but don't listen to the critics. Keep singing. You have to keep doing it. Everybody's going to tell you you suck and don't, you know, just keep going and do it with confidence. Yeah. You can, you can be very mediocre, but you sing with confidence and conviction. You know, that's going to take your guitar playing to a new level. If you can grow and you can sing and play. Okay. So with that in mind, I was really kind of scaling back on teaching. Yeah. And I got a call from the music store uh, in Milwaukee, in the Milwaukee area. It's called Cream City Music. Pretty cool store. Little little plug for them if you want to check out a lot of vintage instruments, Cream City Music. And um, that's where I had been teaching. They said there was a guy that wanted to learn lessons. He was a Marine. I should give him a call. So I wrote it down and I forgot about it because I was doing all this other stuff. And a week later, I'm like, oh, crap, I need to call this guy. That's not very professional. <laughs> I, I call him up. Uh, this is Dan Van Busker. And he said, oh, man, you know, I apologize for the delay. And he said, no, I, I couldn't wait. I had to sign up with somebody else. I mean, you know, uh, for our Marines out there, you're on a mission mm -hmm. to get done and, and quickly. <laughs> 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 Nothing against the rest of our forces. You know, there's just there's each of them have their own. What I've learned is a civilian, you know, culture yep. and, and, and uh, their own personality to it. They really do. So um, we talked, we chatted a little bit. And he said, hey, I got to ask you, I, I just want to make sure I made the right choice. I mean, how do you teach? What is your preferred method book? What guitars do you recommend? Because he had gone out and bought himself a beautiful Martin and a beautiful Taylor and really hooked himself up well. Yeah. Um, there's the other thing. You know, they're not, they had to deal with a lot of crappy equipment back in Vietnam. Not going to do that anymore. <laughs> you know, get the best. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, what I recognized when I got out of the military was the first thing I did was I, I drank out of an actual glass, like a glass, because in the Navy, I was enlisted, you drink out of plastic cups and on a plastic tray. So when I got home, the first thing I did was, you know, my family wanted to like, let's have a barbecue and eat on paper plates. And I would go in the kitchen and go grab a real plate and a real glass because I had three years of that crap. And I didn't want this. So I completely <laughs> empathize. Yeah, that's great. Bring me the silver. Yes, I'm eating off the silver. You peasants, please give me, <laughs> give me the silver. Give me the real stuff. Yeah, so it's uh, it's different, man. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, it's, I, and I've I've heard that, and and I can the best I can do is imagine, you know, that that sort of transition, especially on the you know on the front end going into it, mm -hmm. as yeah. well as on the back end, you know. So uh, either side and. 
So I told Dan, I, uh, uh, I said, well, the book I use basically is a blank sheet of paper and a pencil. They just tell me what you want to learn and I'll show you. I'll show it to you. And knowing that most people come in want to learn a song because a song in itself provides, you know, a whole library of techniques hmm. and rhythms sure. and to learn. So why not teach somebody this material with something that they really enjoy and that immediate payback for mm -hmm. the time they're putting into it? And because um, I've over the years, I told Dan, I said, I, I've got a lot, a lot of former piano students. The sad word is former. Yeah, because it's a great instrument, but it's taught the discipline that's used in, in traditional piano lessons doesn't work for most teenagers and kids. Right. Just, right. And me. <laughs> <laughs> it's choking me up, man. So he wanted to learn Take It Easy by the Eagles, which is great because that's yeah. just like G and D and C. And it's just a wonderful melodic song. Easy for for time. And um, so I said, yeah, I'd just show you that, lay out the chords. We'd learn the chords, and then you'd practice it by playing to the song. So Dan said, you think the other guy would mind if I switched and took lessons from you? And I, I don't like doing that, but fortunately, I knew this other guy well that he signed up with, and yeah. I had sent him students. I said, all right, you're coming with me. So it came that close, Josh. Dan ended up becoming my co-founder. This never happening yeah you know so i'm glad i picked that phone back up yeah definitely where did it go from like when you had the conversation from this is great i'm learning something how did it go from this is great to this is something and we need to expand it and teach more vets mm -hmm. yeah oh, that's that's really good question to gain some insights uh dan was noticing that his ptsd symptoms were moderating uh so one of the first things he was able to do, and that's the cool thing that I want to put out there about, it can be many different modalities, but I prefer guitar because it resonates into the center of your being. It has a calming effect. Some of the Marines and, 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 and other infantrymen that I've worked with talk about how it feels like when it's strapped around them, that they're, they're holding their, mm. you know, their, their rifle yeah. or their automatic, their automatic uh, weapon, um, which gives them a sense of safety. Hmm. Because I, I I don't know, man, but you got to feel naked coming out of, you know, spending a tour or, or, or many more in combat. And that that weapon is the difference. You know, that's what you use to keep yourself. But let me let me reframe that to keep your buddies, your brothers and right. sisters safe. And everybody's doing that for each other to keep you safe. And suddenly you're in an urban environment. If, if you were knocking down doors and you don't have that. Right. That's got to be freaky, man. It's one of those things where that is absolutely, it makes complete sense, but I would never have thought of it that way. But that, it makes com absolutely sense. Like that's their security blanket because if, if they don't have that, then they feel naked in the field. Having that at home and having a guitar strapped around you, it's that weight, it's that sense in the same, almost the same position. That makes total sense, man. Yeah, I had a guy who... Um a combat vet who was a sniper and uh it was it was he had a lot to reconcile he he had he he confided in me uh and i'm, I'm good with sharing this because i'm not going to give his name but 
when we were working on an event together that he had uh, in the 70s with kills. And of those, he said six of them were, were knife, mm. you know, hand to hand. And uh, so to, to, yeah, was the enemy. Yeah, he had to do that yeah. to keep himself and his, his brothers and sisters safe. But he also, I mean, people have conscience, you know, I mean, he, he had to take a life. He yeah. didn't have a choice. He had to take a life. And it's, um, you know, that's something I hope I never have to try to reconcile. And, and, and I feel, I, I really feel a lot of, um, I guess the word is empathy. Mm-hmm. I know, you know, it's, and, and want to support those who, who have to deal, deal with that. But, but, when he would play on stage with his with his uh, uh, guitar, and he would see another of his combat mm-hmm. buddies, the first thing he would do is he'd hold it up. You can't see me because we're doing my voice, <laughs> but he'd hold it up like it was his rifle and sniping him. You know that I understand. There's a different sense of humor in, yeah. in the military community. Somehow, I already had that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, it is interesting when I when I reconnect with people that I've served with or other folks in the military one we we love to give everybody each of the different brands branches crap right so with marines if we're in a class together we'll be like there's no crayons for you to eat just calm down and then you know the air force or the fly boys and they're the you know the they had all the nice things navy were squids and then you know you had the coast guard which was navy junior right so all of them had their different but i mean it's a, at the end of the day it's a community it's a fraternity it's a a brotherhood, a sisterhood, and you all come together. So yeah, there's that ability to give each other crap, but you're still there's that yeah, admiration. Yeah, each other a drink. That's you know? right. It's like hundred percent. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yep. That's so true. You know, and it, it's you know you're just helping out the other services by you know if if somebody swings at another one, you're keeping their senses sharp. Mm-hmm. You want them on. You know, you don't get go on standby. You got to be ready. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. The training always continues, but you're right, man. Because I've I've worked with Coast Guard folks that, um, man, I mean, some of the stuff they had to deal with 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 drug runners. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are people that that are are brutal. Yeah, just absolutely as, as brutal as is. I mean, they're they're like domestic terrorists. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, 100%. they're they're just, they're just awful. Yeah. And um, so yeah, they they got their stuff. But with Dan. So one of the things with, with PTSD, and I can talk about this with, I, I don't often speak about my experience, but it did draw me to do this. I've had, uh, you know, I was born, I'll just put it out there. I was, uh, it's genetic in my family is panic disorder. Mm. It's, it, it's idiopathic. That doesn't mean it just happens to us idiots, but <laughs> it, uh, it can come out of nowhere. You sure. can just be sitting and then boom, full on panic and, all I can say to that is better living through modern chemistry. Yeah, uh, has helped the legal, the legal time. Sure, sure. <laughs> no judgment here, man. I live in Oregon. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. And um, so I can relate to this, the the symptoms. Yeah. Of I mean, my causes were different, but the symptoms, many of them look the same and, sure. and feel the same. Yeah, yeah. And panic attacks, man. I, I mean, I've had some instances, you know car accident and and extreme illness and 
incidents where I've I've nearly died mm. and panic attack is right there. They're just as bad. Yeah. So this, so it's like yeah. guitar, just that thing that brings you back to center. It's grounding. That's yeah. that's right on. It's grounding, meaning it puts you back in the moment. Yeah. Because once that feed uh, feedback loop of fight, flight, or freeze begins. It's it's and it's much like feedback. If if anybody out there, you know, those who play guitar and you put it in front of the amp and it begins to feedback. Yeah. If you leave it there, it gets louder and louder and it won't stop till something breaks. Mm. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, and then so how did you you and Dan go? Okay, well then we need to go find other veterans that are dealing with this because this could benefit them as well. Like, what was your what was that first vet that you guys connected with and gave them a guitar? A guitar. What was that experience like for that person? Yeah. I give Dan all the credit yeah. for, the, for that part of it. Um, he told me how when he woke up at night with night terrors, now he was able to pick up his guitar and go downstairs and strum it. Yeah, And, and that would, sh would show him he's back. He's now in reality. This is not a false awakening, which is one of the most terrifying things where you think you're awake, but actually you're still dreaming. Yeah. And then, or... If you're dreaming, you know, we've all, everybody has those happen maybe a couple times in their lives, but when it becomes chronic, it's, yeah, it's quite uh, <clears throat> unpleasant. Sure. Um, and he felt that he was having less anxiety. His depression was beginning to lift. And Dan said, why don't we go to the VA in Milwaukee and play uh, for some of the men and women in, in spinal rehab hmm. on the way over. We stopped at Cream City Music, and the owner gave me two guitars to give away. Oh, wow. His father had recently passed from complications of substance abuse hmm. that could be traced to the trauma of his time in combat in Korea. Oh, wow. I mean, that, that's a whole other thing, man. Veterans of the Korean War were, were even more invisible than sure. Vietnam vets. Yeah, I agree. Sad. So... um we give the guitars away. We went with the intention of just playing, but we give them away. These two guys, these two gents, light up like like a holiday, and it was obvious we had to teach them to play, or these would just end up on the wall or under the bed. Sure. That is where it began. That would have been June of 2007. The nurses asked us to come back and continue teaching because they said, I, I haven't seen him, you know, perk up like this in, in weeks. Uh a lot of the guys were in there for MRSA infections because of the, the spinal injuries, you know, just being on your back lot or sitting on in the chair or whatever. Sure. And it takes a while to, to, to get over those uh, infections. So we came back and it started building momentum and more people in that on that floor wanted wow. guitars and lessons. I would have to say after the third time back in my studio, which was my attic, <laughs> walk-in attic converted into a studio where I taught guitar. I said, Dan, uh, I'm already good at not making money. You ever think of doing a nonprofit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, isn't that true? <laughs> you know, and then in uh, quotes, I Google searched guitars for vets and there was nothing. Yeah. And that was, that's what I said. Let's call it what we do. Make it real simple. There are 40,000 or more veteran service organizations in the country. Like I said, at the beginning of this program, this is the most unique one I've found so far. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you think? Thank you. Do you think that this is something that is? And I'm I'm sure I'm answering my own question here, but do you think this is something that's saving lives? I don't believe um, we have the power to save a life 100% of the time because, unfortunately, you may know. I'm sure folks out in your in your listening audience know somebody who had been suicidally depressed for a yeah. long time, and eventually they succeeded. Sure. Uh, now, I, I've saved people close to me that were struggling from a suicide attempt. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, they got the help they needed. However, we hear from vets all the time who've gone through the program, this saved my life. It's awesome. And I tell them, I, I, I am deeply honored to be a piece of that equation to to have given them the tools and help them find the spark because they at the end of the day they save their own life sure but sometimes to break that trance that trance of grief when somebody close to you dies and you feel it way in your stomach and your heart in the front of your forehead and with ptsd that can just linger and if you can open that up with what I call a window of serenity where the healing can move in. Now you got, you got something to live for. I'm not, I'm not taking myself out. I'm going to learn this Skinnerd song first. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a minute. That's pretty cool. And I'm going to learn this. And, and they're coming to the VA for these lessons. And like, ah, sh- shoot, man, I might as well go get my meds or I might as well see my therapist yeah. or a group session yeah, yeah. where the professional work is done. Yeah. It's got to be rewarding work. What have you learned through this process uh, throughout the you guys have been around almost 13 years or 14 years now, I guess. What, what's what been the biggest learning lesson that you've taken away from this so far? Hmm. Um, probably links to what I just said, the, the, the thing that keeps the spark of life, which I kind of see like a, a, um, <clears throat> all right, let, let, let me go with it with a, one air force thing. I know about that. So <laughs> there was a thing called the Ram jet that he had to get to a certain speed before, I think it was like 500 miles an hour or something before it could kick in. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the potential's there, but it needs the inspiration. Mm-hmm. Okay. People need to be inspired. All people to, to do good in their life and to, to, understand that there's always room for growth where there's where there's breath there's room for some sort of growth and improvement of oneself but also of of the community um so i I agree with uh i'm pretty sure it was john lennon and not paul mccartney we love them both but all you need is love Mm -hmm. that is really important because love is that inspiration and that's what we're bringing. We're, 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 people have that spark. They got that spark plug. You just got to hit it with something to keep that going. And then the momentum builds. Yeah. Yeah. Because even when somebody is in the deepest clinical depression, the spark is still there. They're still alive. Mm-hmm. It's like, what can I, what can possibly be fuel can be thrown on that? So that's the most important lesson. I would have to say the other thing is, 
it's really hard to raise funds for veterans organizations. Supremely hard. Yep. Yeah. And that blew me away, Josh. When when we did our first big event in 2009, and I had reached out to radio stations in Milwaukee, we got billboards donated. We did an event at the Harley Davidson Museum. Mm. So we got bikes, we got we got vets that, you know, this was in nine, so everybody's, you know, starting to, you know, continuing to to uh feel very patriotic about our vets coming home from from the, the conflicts. So I thought this is the formula for I mean, people are gonna be lined up around the block and man, it was hard to get yeah get people in the door. Um and I've come to learn too that not everybody resonates with this stuff and that's just the, the part of the path that they're on uh however you try hard enough long enough and if you're in harmony with the universe if you're doing something that that promotes the building of the community the teamwork the camaraderie you know a mission that has uh greater implications than just one's own uh ego yeah things will you'll get over the mountain and that's what that's what's happening that's awesome you guys are a chapter model you guys have chapters all over the place where what do you what do you hope the future of this organization is what do you hope guitars for vets becomes in say five to ten years well (laughs) your question is very timely sir uh we just talked with a uh a veteran in wales uk today and um he is going to be starting our first Guitars for Vets chapter in the UK. We've got a group in England, in London, that wants to begin. We have three chapters currently in Australia. So Amazing. this is kind of like a United Nations thing. We're not trading money. Yeah. We're trading intel. You know, <laughs> this is this is what works for us. And we're, we're, we're advisors mm-hmm. and, and help them get get going. And then we can establish our trademarks in these different countries. Because we have had problems with people taking our name hmm. and piggybacking on our success to probably for self enrichment. Sure. Um, so you know, Guitars for Vets Canada is not us. That's one of those cases. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I hope they're helping vets. God bless them for that. Yeah, if yeah. They are, but it, they're not us. Wow. Where can so, people, yeah, where, I'm sorry, Josh. No, I was just going to say, where, where can people find you guys online? You know, is it just guitar vets, guitars for vets at dot org? Dot org, yeah, it can be for the number four, four F O R. Uh, find our national page on Facebook. We got every chapter has their own Facebook page, but I think our national one, we got about 50, a little over 50,000 people out. So when you see wow. that number, that's where all the action is. We're that's on amazing. Instagram. Um, and if somebody wanted to be a chapter lead and the, because it doesn't exist where they are, how do they get in touch with you to, to become one? Yeah. If you want lessons, yeah. if you want to teach, if you want to volunteer, uh, just info I N F O at guitars with an S for F O R vets, V E T S dot org. Whatever your request is, if you want to donate gear, because money's tight now, man. It's it's been a it's, it's brutal out there. Yeah, yeah. But if there's gear you want to donate, we can work that out too. Whatever questions you have, go to info at guitars for vets. If you if you want to contact me directly, 
just Patrick at guitarsforvets.org. I can be reached as well. It's amazing. Patrick, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and telling your story. And like I mentioned, I, I was really excited to talk to you because I just think this is one of the most unique things for veterans that's out there. And I, I thought the story really, it was important to tell the story. Thanks, Josh. And you're doing amazing work too, because you just think about the community that you've established. Because I'm sure it isn't, I mean, it's, it's important for those who have served, but for civilians who listen to, you know, get the understanding of the uh, journey the warrior's journey after the battle. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not as you know in touch with during the battle, but I, but after. Yeah, is 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 what I've witnessed and 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 worked with folks on is very very valuable. Um, and I and one other thing I just want to add, as far as the master plan. Yeah. So we have 110 chapters in the U.S. We're in 40 states. Couldn't tell you the 10 we're not in, but. There's like 1,200 VAs here. We 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 want to be available yeah. wherever we're needed, and we want our allies to like Australia and the UK and Germany. And just think about this, man. Can you just imagine if I, I met this guy in the mall who's uh, their clock or watch fixers? I know it's the cliche, but they're from Russia. Okay. And and uh, um, yeah, they weren't Swiss, but they're from sure, Russia. Sure. <laughs> And I talked to the guy, but because you know it's compulsory, you got to serve in the in the uh, armed forces there. And uh, I, I, we started talking. Cause I had my guitars for vet shirt on, and he asked he asked me about it. And I said, "Well, do you guys have like a VA system or anything like that in Russia?" And he said, "No, nothing like that." And so, well, do you get anything when you're out of the military? And he goes, "We get bus pass." <laughs> Uh, is that a bus pass? Bus pass. Goes, oh no, no, good for life. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow, That's it. wow. If, I think they, you touched on a yeah. good, good point, right? Like I, I was in the military at a very young age, and I got out at a very young age. But it's it leaves a lasting imprint. I mean, it's not something you just kind of. It wasn't like your first job. You know, I remember my first job, but I'm not going hanging out with people that were worked at McDonald's. It's a different thing. And, uh, and so, but that support system after is really, really important. So I applaud you for, for what you do, man. All right. I really appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Yeah. You've been listening to the veteran founder podcast. Tune in every Friday at 1 PM Pacific, right here on the startup radio network. Listen, learn, get shit done. You're listening to the startup radio network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.